one. What did I do wrong? No, you, you seem... It looks like it's going to be a short episode because you seem to be hurrying things along, so... No, actually, he seems pretty into this movie. Welcome to the Master Movie Podcast, everybody. Uh, We're going to talk about Dune. If there's anything to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) You're always showcasing that new gong you got, man. I appreciate it. No, it's just a very cold energy drink that I haven't drank yet because I'm very intimidated by it. Anyway. Interesting. All right, so we're, oh, oh man, <laughs> oh man, we got ourselves something here. Whew. We, got a, we got a barn burner. We got a barn burner, and literally a barn will be burnt down. I'm outside. Uh, I see the barn. Got gasoline. It's gonna yep. happen. Gunpowder. I knew I forgot something. And dynamite. Dynamite. Oh. All right. Dynamite. Um. So we're talking about Dune. Um, did anything happen this week? Yeah, a lot. Uh, movies are pushed back again. Do not, I'm going to listen. If Tenet gets pushed back one more time, of course it it's did. not coming out. Dude, nothing was going to come out this summer, ever. Once, once they tried to reopen things again, this is what people should have expected. Like, either, sure. you release it, either you release it on video, which a lot of people want, or you wait till the theaters open again. And honestly... I see why they're why they're waiting. It's because I mean nobody has productions in production anymore for months. We're not gonna have new stuff for a long time. So they're waiting to save their best for the theaters. It makes sense. Nolan doesn't want to give that up. That's gonna they are going to save the theaters if they wait. But like they they don't have anything to put out. People gotta put out stuff. Either that or like people are gonna revert to old things, which I'm starting to see on YouTube all of our favorite reviewers are just going back and watching movies they never saw because all they do is review new stuff. And I'm kind of enjoying it a lot because that's what we do. We just straight up watch what we want to watch, whether it's old or new, but we got mostly old stuff. And that's stuff that people are now starting to realize that they can enjoy again. But how long is that going to last? So we have all these things that are colliding together, but like, I, they need to save Tenet and Wonder Woman and Black Widow for the theaters because they're not going to have anything to put in the theaters if they open if they don't. And so, that's what theaters are scared of. Did some research. Tenet did not get moved. Not yet. It's more than likely it's going to get moved. Again. God, I hate you guys sometimes. Where's the optimism? It's not about optimism. It's just about logic and safety. Like, Well, okay, like, then fine. I'll never, I'm never going to get the Tenet again. Well, I, I love. Well, coming from someone who feels sick right now, so like I, I, you're going to you're going to the theaters and you're trying to be as safe as you can. Everybody is. I I appreciate it, but like these are big movies that are going to fill theaters that they need them to have filled to actually run and have money. I want it to go to theaters. I do, but I also want it to, you know, be safe. I don't want history to go by and have Christopher Nolan be the guy who needed to have his movie in the theaters so bad that he killed people. Like, nobody wants that. It's just a movie. And we all want to see it, sure. But at the end of the day, like, people are dying, man. Like, that's, that's, that's all it is. I, I agree, man. But, like, I just watched Infinity War and Endgame again yesterday. And in the back of my mind, I was like, I really do want to see Black Widow now. 
I really do want to like keep going with the Marvel series, but it's nice that they're taking a break. Also, I, it's it, it makes some of these things. It, it's going to make us miss it more. We just we have bigger issues. Like if the if the other answer to let's see Tenant was death wasn't death, I'd be more on your side, man. But like, I don't want that for Nolan. I don't want that for the DCEU. I don't want that for Marvel. They needed like theaters needed to be open so badly. Well, well, in fairness, Disney's already said they don't care because they reopened Disney World and it's causing a lot of problems in Florida. Which is a whole other argument in and of itself. Like they're evil on another level. Like if they, if you think they're doing good in their right hand, I guarantee you it's because they're stabbing a child with their left. So <laughs> Disney's on a whole other level of evil. This is just like this is just I. Nolan's fighting for his movie to be in a theater because he loves the theater experience and he doesn't want that to die. This disease could kill a lot of theaters. Are theaters going to die? No. Will theaters come up again when like this is over and people have money and we'll have a resurgence of movies in theaters? Yes. But the people who make these movies and produce them will not have material if they put their best out there online. They know that. So at the end of the day, if you don't want theaters to die, man, let them wait. Like, they're doing the right thing. It sucks. I agree. But, like, there's so much out there that you can enjoy. You still There's still Christopher Nolan movies that you haven't seen. That's a weird noise. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying that's not... This isn't necessarily about you and your opinion of Tenet. This is just what's going on right now and all the three different, like, things that are coming together. How, how do the studios make more stuff? Like, Zendaya put out a movie because they quarantined themselves and planned it out and did it properly. She made her own film and that's going to be put out now. There's a lot of like low budget people that are getting all of their stuff out now because they have back catalogs and stuff sitting on their shelves. But soon, that's why the Zack Snyder cut is so interesting. That's like the six hours of material that they can use now. And they're, gonna, they're stretching it out as long as they can. And they're like making this big thing out of it because the footage is already shot. They, they, no one's going out and getting sick already done it's already made they just have to add a bunch of post-production shit that people can do over their phones adr like and even some actors have been like we want to shoot again that's fine but even then all that takes is hey like quarantine yourself for two weeks come to this set we have people who quarantine themselves we'll shoot this thing real quick it yeah it's we'll shoot so yeah i mean from, from what i've heard like a lot of this is gonna like a lot of that is just like them just being like hey look like we're quarantine yourselves for two weeks. We're going to keep you all on site. And we're going to have doctors and all that. And everyone's going to do it right. And we'll be done. And we'll get it done in two, three weeks, three, four or five weeks and be done. And we won't talk to people, whatever. I mean, the, the, the highest decision that's being made for tenant right now is Nolan. Nolan will not put it out in anything other than theaters. He wants yeah. that in theaters. He, what, he's always said that like film and theaters. So, He's just a diehardist, and he's not willing to give up on that. So you're gonna get Tenet in the theater for sure, but that's why it's that's why it's taking longer. Hmm. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> okay. So, all right. What did, uh, Zach, what did get said, moved? Uh, yes, sir. You said other stuff, right? I don't know. Do we have news this week? We asked you, and you said. Stuff got moved, and now we're asking you what got oh, moved. Oh, no. I, I didn't say stuff got moved. I said stuff got moved, but Zach did say when we were like, did, was there any news? You're like, yeah, a bunch of stuff happened. <laughs> and then I started saying something, and now I'm asking you what stuff happened. All right, hold on. Let me see what happened. Well, Ghost of Sunisha came out, so that's a thing. 
Um, Beautiful looking. Yeah. Uh, people are calling it the Akira Kurosawa video games. So, well, there is an there is a Kurosawa mode that you can watch it on. Yeah, like uh, beautiful. It it really is. People are really talking the world of that that game right now. I actually just got my copy, so I'm gonna be playing it soon. Oh, you know what happened? Uh, what? A bunch of uh, a bunch of companies got hacked. Do you guys remember that stuff? Oh, Twitter got all the verified people got hacked. <laughs> not, not not just Twitter. No, it happened again. They shut down Discord. They shut down a lot of sites. Like a bunch of a bunch. Of, it wasn't just Twitter. Like a bunch of places got like hacked. It's pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got nothing better to do. Hackers. That's actually pretty true. That that answers a lot. Thank you, Chris. I was not thinking about that, but that really <laughs> does answer everything. It's like hackers are bored. Yeah, that makes sense. I would love that Let's hack Twitter, actually. Let's actually do this. The FBI, like, calls them up. All right. Like, what, what do we got going on news-wise this week? <laughs> going to do a joke, and you totally just ran me down, man. Wow. I know. Just, it's horrible. He wants to be done. He just wants to get this done. That I, t- I told you at the start. He just wants to get this done. John Boyega said some shit this week. That's right. He said he's done with Star Wars, even though we already knew that. Uh, Some Godzilla... Some Godzilla vs. Kong images came out. Oh. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Gosling and who else is going to do a movie? Ryan Gosling and... Uh, Comic-Con 2020 is going to be free for the first time ever, and it's all going to be digital. Uh, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans are going to do uh, a movie with the Russo brothers. Nice. Uh, you guys extraction yet? What else is going on? Um. Oh, Tenet's Run Time came out. Two and a half hours. Yeah. Yes. Wow, nailed it. Exactly what I wanted. Uh, Tom Holland's Uncharted movie starts filming next week. Oh wow. <laughs> No, 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 you got it. No, like, that's not it. I'm not even considering that concrete. Like, I will. It's, it's, if I, the moment I see a day one of principal photography, then I'm convinced that it actually is being filmed. I Whether mean, or not it gets released is another question entirely. They say, they say it's going to be next week. Like, he posted a set photo, so. All right. Okay. <laughs> um what else do we got oh machete kills in space is delayed for another reason dang it um he says um danny trejo says it's just a, a lot going on a lot of script issues and stuff i don't know huh um, for a machete film. Well, I mean, he wants to make it fun and hilarious. So, um, oh, the uh, the Russo brothers are talking about uh, Secret Wars again. Here it comes. Uh, they said that 
when they inevitably get to do it, it's going to be the biggest Marvel movie ever made, ever, period. Huh? With the highest budget, the most actors, the... I mean, literally, they're going to... Supposedly, they say Disney plans to call in every favor they ever owed. some Someone's ever owed them for that movie. That is the movie they plan to call in all the favors on. The devil's coming for his due. Well, I would say for a lot of people saying, hey, do you want to be in a Marvel movie? Not very many people would disagree. Uh, I, it's, it's not really what I meant. I, I meant like it'd be funny if they made this movie. It was miraculous. And then years down the line, they made someone made a fictional movie that was more like The Godfather about how like the executives of the <laughs> Disney executives went around there being like, hey, you're going to be in a Marvel movie, right? Or this picture gets out. See? I mean, I could see Disney doing that. As weird as it that's is. All I'm, um, that's all I'm talking about. But like, honestly, after watching both Avenger movies, um, yeah, I mean, those are gigantic fucking movies. So, yeah, um, Marvels has it updated for when they expect Spider-Man 3's rap, uh, rap uh, shooting rap to be to be. Uh, they say principal photography is supposed to be done in February. Uh, ben Affleck's Batman is supposedly going to be getting worked on for HBO Max. Okay, Batman's. What? Um. Yeah, I'm, hey, I'm for it, man. I like Ben Affleck as Batman. What else is going on? A bunch of Endgame stuff. Ah, whatever. Let's yeah. talk about. Endgame. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard shows off some stuff from. Oh, Dresden. that's right. Three. Actually, we gotta add, we gotta ask what people watch. Let's talk about what we've watched instead. Just Dune, unfortunately. Really? So. Yeah. I'm sorry. So um, I decided not to go see The Matrix, but I did see Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. How was that on the big screen? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> um, first off, I went to Cinema Grill for it this time because their oh. waffle fries are to die for. Um, uh-huh. and they had to like crop the movie to fit the screen, and it kind of like I, oh. it was noticeable, but I could, but it, I still thought it was okay. Oh, it was okay. Like it was noticeable, but I was like, I'm still enjoying this. Man, I mean, yeah, I guess if you've seen it before, you can fill in those blanks in your head. But still, and waffle fries are great. Yes. Oh, um, gosh, seeing the first like, see, like computer generated image, dinosaur. The, yeah, like that. Seeing that tech, that the the technology. That like that groundbreaking technology that Jurassic Park used in its time was just like so. This is what people felt. <laughs> this is what it felt like. I was just like I felt like I was transported to 1993 for like two hours. Is what it, is what that felt like, and it was great. It's a, it's exactly why I feel like old movies in theaters should have been done before this thing even happened. But it's something that can save theaters absolutely. Gosh, it was it was it was a lot it was a lot of fun that time that was that was really good. 
Like, how cool would it be if every single movie we landed on the wheel was being shown at some theater? Right? Right? Exactly. Yeah, that's like, I'm totally for that. I'm absolutely about that. I, like, one of, my, one of the main reasons that Jurassic, the second Jurassic Park is so important to me was the experience of watching it in a theater at that time at my age. Like, it was the last year I, uh, last year I spent in Utah before I moved to Minnesota. I was, we were living in a different space so that we could move. We went to go see it with some friends we knew we were going to say goodbye to. Like, the theater experience is important sometimes. I saw Jurassic Park 3. That was the first Jurassic Park I saw in theaters. Mm. I went with my grandfather. It was not good. <laughs> oh, he didn't like it? Well, the movie was bad. <laughs> he doesn't care. He was he was there to be with his grandkid. <laughs> but Oh, sweet. But uh obviously, you know, a 9-year-old kid watching Jurassic Park 3. How do how do you think that went? That movie's in theaters. I feel like a kid could could like that, but it is a lot of bickering adults. It's a lot of bickering adults, and the kid was more like, ooh, giant Spinosaurus looks cool. And it's brief. Yes. It is short. It's an hour and a half, yeah. Gosh. I Yeah, I do. Lo- I think we would have to go back and listen to that episode. I think we were a little bit more gentle with it there, uh, but also. That's one of the episodes that went missing. That's one of the episodes that did go missing. Oh, yeah. Jurassic World, yeah. Jurassic Park 3, yeah. But we did save the three that matter most. (laughs) Wait, 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 Chris, Chris, I forgot, I forgot. Did we, um, did we have a whole episode dedicated to the sales script? No. That was with Jurassic World. Chris, we we need to re-record it. (laughs) Oh, that. But we, you did, we need to find it. Um, you let you talked about the sales script before Lost World, and I'm sorry, not Lost World. Uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Park Three. Did the I? Fourth one. No, yes. the fourth. No, the, the, no. before the fourth. Before Jurassic World. Yes. Which Microsoft promptly deleted at random. So wait, so so I did I talk about it before Jurassic World or which episode? Before did Jurassic I... World. That, that was the, no. Listen, of you talked World. about the That's script. The you talked about the script. On the episode of Jurassic World, before we talked about the movie proper. Oh, yes. dude, we got we got to re-record and talk about the sales script again. Chris, Chris, it's crazy. You have we, by the time that, by the time we actually has, do it, there it's probably going to come out that Mega Chris, Mega Man. We got to do it when Mega Man dinosaurs show up. Chris, I, I would say this, Zach. I don't want to do it again. What I do say is, let's save it for, yes, when the new movie comes out. Because it'll probably be the closest thing to that sales script that we're ever going to get. And also, if it's that not... That's crazy. Yes, it'll give you the opportunity to talk about it again. You're getting another Jurassic movie to talk about it again. I but I don't, don't want to go I, back to can two I, movies, those two can movies, I, can I, those the five that we watched. Can I, can I please make a happy medium on this one? No. Please. What? Oh, what? No, you're not getting a whole episode on the sales script. No, we don't necessarily have to talk about the sales script for the whole episode. But can we on the curiosity wheel? No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. This isn't. This isn't about the sales. This isn't about a sale. The sales script. But there's actually an idea I think we can talk about. 
that I think would be a lot of fun. Okay? So, we put on the curiosity wheel, and, and with this movie, basically what we do is this is just going to be a perpetual thing that will be on the, the curiosity wheel, okay? So, it replaces itself. So, what we do is we, we can call it whatever we want, but basically the idea is we spend one episode where we can talk about functionally whatever little weird thing about movies we want to talk about, you know, we could talk, we could, we could do it like a mixed bag things. Like if we want to talk about the sales script, we could talk about the sales script. We want to talk about, you know, what's going on with the Dune stuff, you know, the backstory of Dune and all no, that. No, 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 no. We are not doing that tonight. We are talking no, no, about no. Dune. No, we, no, 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 no. This is for its own slot. We have to roll for it on the wheel, just like anything else. But it's just a mixed bag thing where there's no particular movie we're watching. We're just, we're talking. We're just, we're having a conversation. It can be a lot. It could be a lot of fun. We could talk about what kind of whatever we want. We can agree on it beforehand. And we can just kind okay, of talk so you about want me to add bullshit to the curiosity wheel. Yeah, but it's just one episode and we have to roll for it like normal. We don't have to call it bullshit. Okay. We can call let me, it let me... We, call, we can call it a mixed bag or we could call it whatever, you know. <laughs> so so this is what this is what you suggest this is how I would set this up if this is what yeah. you're suggesting. And I I the balls to bring this up on air instead of behind the scenes, you SOB. No, it's something <laughs> Uh, I think we are doing the curiosity wheel next, so yes, it we are spinning the curiosity wheel. So it is an idea. Um, so this is how I would put it. So what you're suggesting is we put a slot on the wheel. We, take, we replace the movie instead of tonight with this slot, and on this slot it would be beat bullshit sesh, sure. Um, but then each of us would get a turn, so that every yeah. time it's on that wheel, it would be that person's turn, and then yeah. we would be able to talk about whatever we want to talk about. Is what you're saying? Yeah, or we could talk about, you know, uh, or if we want, like or it. if, we, or if we want to do it, we could separate the episode into three sections where each one's a topic we all bring to the table together, and we just we we talk about it. It could be something about, it could be you know a backstory in movies. It could be you know, it could be a uh, a director's oh, story. No. Oh, it no. could be it could be a um. This it could is be, what I. It could it I could be not, it could be. Listen, if, I'm not that interesting. No. This is what, okay, so how about this is what I say, Zach? How about this? Instead sure. of doing it, instead of having it on the wheel of one wheel that could land for one person, and it's going to take forever for each person to get this. How about since we have no no real news going on right now, and none of us are really watching as much as we can to fill those slots, we mostly just find one topic and do it. How about every week now we pick one of us to do that, and then we just give like thirty minutes to an idea we want to talk about and bullshit about. And then each one of us get to do that once a week instead of waiting for so long to do it. We have okay. the opportunity to do it right now. Why not? Yeah, let's do it. And if there's a lot of news going on, we don't have to do it for the week. We can just talk about news. I'm going uh, last, if that's the case. That's I think that's fair, but I think, Chris, this is the, a prime opportunity for you to do just that, man. If you, and here's the thing. we don't. The other people don't have to watch what the other person watches, but like do some research, do some stuff, but like if there's something you want us to watch just for, you know, shits and giggles, absolutely, I'll do it. Like, Chris, like, there's so many things, there's so many times we've landed on things on the wheel that are yours that maybe you feel like we've been disappointed by, or you don't even get the opportunity as much as you'd like. So this is an opportunity for you to be like, guys, you know, I watched this great thing, why don't you check it out a little bit, and then talk about it for a little bit. You don't even have, it doesn't even have to be forever. Like, you don't have to go 30 minutes, just like, it's something you want to talk about. Yeah. 
Talk. We can bullshit. We can talk about kind of whatever. Uh, I do. Simply because I suggest we, because there isn't a lot of news out. Most of the news. Yeah. Do we have to do that tonight? No, we don't have to do it tonight. This could be we something probably... for. Yeah. I mean, whatever. I'm also. Anyway. I'm all. I'm all. It is your show. But I'm also the opinion that I think every year we should have a recap episode where we recap all nope. the movies, talk about nonsense. Nope. But that's way too much to keep track of. You just do it at the end of the year, and you're just like, what did you remember that was super fun, and, like, what did you like about it? Like, I mean, I think we could do that at the end of the year, just, like, and like, the last episode of the year, sure. Yeah. I don't think we need a whole episode dedicated to Why did you have to do this on air? <laughs> yeah, um, but this is just an that idea. Is... This is an idea, Chris, but, like, it, that's only because we just don't really have any news to talk yeah. about. I know, but can we not do this on air? I agree. Sure. Like I've tolerated so much BS from you, Zach. This this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. You did not have to do that, Chris. I've been very well behaved the last like ten weeks. <laughs> I mean, I all I, I, do I think it would have been better if it was brought up behind the scenes. Yes, but we've also talked about stuff on air too, and yeah. it is a curiosity wheel week. Sure. Um, but also, like, they're just ideas, man. Like, we don't really have to do anything about it. Well, I'm still just excited to spend the Curiosity Wheel time. Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of really excited because there's always interesting sh- stuff on there. Okay, uh, hold on. Let me just get that right. All right. Um, okay, there's no news. Like, for there's example, no news. you watched Jurassic Park tonight and you went to go see it in the theater and we ended up talking about theaters. It's pretty much exactly what we did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd also like to point out that, like, next week is probably going to be a news week because Comic-Con's this coming week. Oh. We're not going to see those movies for, like, another 500 years. Who cares? We get to talk about them! I think that's a bit of an overreach, but still. Hey, we reviewed this movie. And Hannibal Smith, an A-team. Liam Neeson's A-team. He said, Overkill is underrated. I live by that. If you couldn't tell. Overkill is underrated. Well, you love Hardcore Henry. Yes. Overkill is underrated. So, 500 years. Yes. <laughs> it makes you feel better when it only ends up being a few. Uh, it'll be 500 years. Um, let's see. All right. Well, that's kind of disappointing. Um, no, I mean, you want you. I, I am interested um, in why they cropped Jurassic Park at Cinema Grill. Man, what kind? How big was the screen? Was it like a, was it like a square more than it was a rectangle? No, no, no. no. So they fill. Okay, so it's like think of like the smallest theater screen at Willow Creek, and that's a a general idea. Okay. And they filled the whole thing, but obviously, like, the top hat, like, the top sides, the top and bottom sides were, like, like, crunched down to fit. So, like, they were cut out, sort of, to fit. And I was just like, okay. Otherwise, it would have been that way. Did you feel like there was some pan and scan? No, which is what I would have preferred pan and scan. 
honestly. Nice. But I, like I said, it didn't it didn't hinder my enjoyment or my like or my um it didn't hinder how I felt during the movie, which I thought it was like incredible in a movie theater. No, you still you still said you felt like you went to nineteen ninety three. Yeah, I still like it was nineteen ninety three in a movie theater. Like it was still a great it was still a great experience. It was just like it was just noticeable. Fair enough. Because it would say it would say like Isla Nublar and then something off the coast of Puerto Rico, whatever. Or Costa Rica, whatever it was. And then so like Alan Nublar would be there and then it would be somewhere in, in, in off the coast of Costa Rica. That bottom half sentence would be cut off and it would be cut in half. Oh wow. So That's there was a information. heresy. Um But again, it didn't it it didn't hinder my enjoyment. I still had fun. I wonder if they tested that out. They were like, ooh, no. And they were like, oh, let's just do it anyway. Or they were like, oh, let's do it. They're here for the waffle fries anyway. Well, I've, I mean, I haven't seen, I haven't been to Cinema Grill in a long time. They're so good. I'm sorry. I really like their waffle fries. Uh, this is not sponsored by Cinema Grill. Um, just the waffle Yeah. Uh, I did not. I watched a bunch of old movies, and um, what'd you watch for the Buttercast? <clears throat> what I watched for the Buttercast, um, Lovebirds by Michael Showalter, starring Kamel Nanjani and Issa Rae, came out on Netflix. Ah, uh... uh, it was pretty good, but it, it helped me to talk about other movies by that director, which I think are much better, including. He's a great romantic comedy director. Um, he has the mm. he has the big sick, which I think you would really love, Chris. It's the true story about how Melman <sighs> Johnson's wife, written by his wife. There was um, "Hello, My Name Is Doris," starring Sally Field, which is about her trying Heard to get a young. Really good, and uh, the Baxter, which is my favorite of his, not the best, but my favorite. And it's the story. It's a half spoof, half like genuinely human comedy about um, the character in romantic comedies that women leave at the altar. Like uh, in romantic comedies, there'll be the woman and then the man she's going to marry. And then her old ex or flame will come back in or the guy that's going to sweep her off her feet. And then she leaves that guy at the altar at the end. He's not a bad guy. He's just not right for her. And they call that guy the Baxter. And this movie is about him getting married to Elizabeth Banks and then Justin Thoreau comes in and he's her ex and they're obviously falling back in love with each other and he's freaking out about it. Meanwhile, he's starting to secretly fall in love with Michelle Williams and it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, and it just gave me an opportunity to watch his movies again, including The Big Sick and The Big Sick is amazing. Uh, it's got Ray Romano, Holly Hunter, um, Zoe Kazan, and Kamel Nanjani, and it's about his life written by his wife and the story about how they met and got together. It's fantastic. Uh, and then Lovebirds is all right. It's, a, it's okay. It's, it's basically a couple are going out for the night. They get involved with a murder, and then they try to solve it, or else they would think they're going to go to jail. Mm. It's okay. That's nice. Um... They are really good at it. Their chemistry is really good, but outside of that, the plot is lacking. 
Okay. So, going once. If anybody's got anything else? Nope. Going twice. Hemorrhoids. That's not what you're asking. Come on. All right. Dune. 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 <laughs> so, um... This is a bad Hold on. But there's some... I just thought of this. Alex, there's a very important question I need you to answer for me, okay? Sure. Alex? Who is David Lynch? Ah, okay, sweet. Ah. Um, well, just for starters and to place bias on this, he is my favorite filmmaker. Um, he, the reason he's my favorite filmmaker is very simple. There are obviously better filmmakers and more popular filmmakers that are able to make art and pop, bring it together and bring everyone to the table with it. He just makes me feel movies. I watch his movies and I, he gets me on an emotional level. That's, uh, I, I just, every, his, he used to be a painter. He still is a painter actually. Um, but he, that's where he comes to the table with, with his art. And he's very abstract, and his visuals are very abstract. But um, I like him because I feel his movies. They, like, get you gutturally. You look at his imagery, and you aren't thinking with your head. You're thinking with your heart. It's super weird to explain, but, like, that's how he moves me with his images. Uh, outside of that, he started, um, he started in the late 60s. As a filmmaker, and it took him basically seven to almost ten years to get his first movie, Eraserhead, made. It was a it was a grant from uh, the AFI in California, and he uh, just took forever to make it. Like you watch the movie, and you can see the lead actor enter a room from one cut to another, and you're looking at a span of years. The guy kept his haircut the entire time. Like it took years to make this thing and it's honestly a masterpiece it's weird as hell it's a story about a guy who finds out that his uh ex-girlfriend is pregnant they uh try to stay together with the baby it turns out the baby is a horrific monster and then she leaves him and he has to take care of it and goes insane slowly in this fever dream nightmarish black and white world um it's great it's it's genuinely funny it has amazing sound design great uh production and um was produced by mel brooks <laughs> no wait no no his his next movie was produced by mel brooks and because of this movie uh mel brooks saw this movie and then said i will produce whatever you want to make next and he made the biography of the so-called elephant man elephant man it's a story about a guy who was a freak show in the 1800s and then was found by anthony hopkins a doctor and he realizes that he's got these series of medical conditions and tumors around him and that this isn't a freak. This is a guy with ailments and he's a human being. And they form a relationship, a friendship, and um, you get to see the guy sort of become a person. Uh, it's really good. It's basically Oscar bait. None of it is really true in real life. The doctor and the guy didn't like each other as much as they put it in the movie. But it's a beautiful black and white movie. I highly suggest it. You could watch it with your family. It's lovely. It's weird looking. The guy was disgusting and weird looking. But it's, it's really well done. And it's the movie that coined the phrase, I'm not an animal. I'm a human being. Um, he got nominated for Best Director for the Oscars for it. And he had a lot of opportunities to do what he wanted. 
he got involved with a producer named Dino De Laurentiis, who is got a long career in cinema, and he had a lot of money behind his belts. His daughter saw Elephant Man and was like, "You should work with this guy." And uh, George Lucas saw Elephant Man and thought, "You should do my movie, Return of the Jedi." And and Lynch looked at Lucas and said, "It's your thing. It's not mine. I can't. I need to start with something different and." that I could work with from the ground up, mostly. Um, and that's when Dino De Laurentiis got involved with him for Dune. He was like, I want you to do my Dune. And the reason Dino got it is because it had gone through a series of other productions. Dune is a super complicated book that came out in the 50s. It's incredibly dense, and it doesn't really deserve a movie. It deserves more movies, which is why I'm still kind of concerned for the new one coming out like it's just the story is so vast you can pare it down and this movie does it tries to but i don't it's so nerdy it's so nerdy it's unbelievably nerdy but like game of thrones proved that you can do something like that but you do it over time like i just don't know if you should do it as a movie but also the scope and scale of this book needs to be a movie so i don't know uh i'm still up in the air about that about the whole idea of dune but it started with a um a director named Yodorovsky, and there's a documentary called Yodorovsky's Dune that goes through the history of how he was going to do it. It's insane. It's insane. It's an unbelievably interesting documentary. Um, and it's like he was going to make it 10 to 14 hours long as a movie. <laughs> He's going to make people sit in the theater for that long or maybe come two nights. I don't know. Um, but it was insane. Like it was just a fever dream of creativity. Like he just. So, like, millions of dollars were thrown at the pre-production alone. Just, it's insane. Uh, but it, it totally collapsed under its own weight. And then went to Ridley Scott, of all people. Um, Ridley Scott decided to back out of this and make his own movie, Blade Runner, with also Sean Young in it. And ironically enough, the sequel of that movie was made by Villeneuve, and Villeneuve's going to be doing Dune. So, like, weird connections. But uh, <laughs> Ridley Scott backed out of that. And Dino Dean Laurentiis went to Lynch and he was like, How, do you think you could do this? And Lynch was like, I'll try. I think I can get into this. So it took three and a half years to write the script of this movie. It took a half a year to shoot it. And they cut it in maybe a year, probably. Because of all wow. the cuts and everything went through it. In the middle of the script process, Lynch knew he would not have final cut. And it broke his heart. He realized, whatever I do, they're never going to allow it. It was originally going to be a like three to four hour script. And he knew by the time that he was filming it, that they were going to cut this thing to two hours. They, they were going to cut all a whole bunch of stuff. And like halfway through the script writing process, he, he lost his heart in it completely. He started to get more excited by the time they were doing production and like buttons filming. He was interested a little bit and he formed so many relationships with actors and um, cinematographers and, and people on the crew that would totally carry on to his other movies, which is a really interesting story. Uh, uh, but in the middle of shooting, he knew he's like, I but like he, he's never made a director's cut of this movie. He never will. Even the studio has offered it to him. It's material, but he's like, it sucks. It all sucks. I never, I never wanted to do it, and it shows on screen. It's like it's there, 
I, I tried my heart out, but I knew it was never going to be my vision at the end of the day, that they were going to cut so much stuff anyway, and all those stuff I put into it was never going to work. And I knew that in the middle of shooting it, and I think you can see it on screen, he's never been proud of this. He never wants to go back to it. It broke his heart because it took a decade to make this movie again, and it bombed horribly. It bombed horribly. It still made some money back, but like, that, I wouldn't say some money back. It made like enough money that it's not the worst bomb in history, but it, it, at the time, it was one of the biggest, and it broke his heart. Um, and that's when Dino De Laurentiis was like, hey, I'm so sorry that happened. Um, do you have anything you want to make? Is there any movie that you're sitting on, any story you want to do? I'll make it, man. I loved making this movie with you, so just like, let's, let's do something. And he pulled out the script for a movie called Blue Velvet, and they worked on it together, and they built it, and they brought back a lot of the same actors from this movie, including the lead, Kyle MacLachlan. This was their first movie together. This was Kyle MacLachlan's first movie, and honestly, I think he's great in it for his first movie ever. Um, that him and Lynch would go on to do, like, Blue Velvet, uh, the Twin Peaks movies, uh, a bunch of other stuff in the show. Um, he is one of his muses, along with Laura Dern, that he would find with Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet would re would reinvigorate Dennis Hopper's career. He had been a huge drug and alcoholic after a while. He sobered up. Blue Velvet got him a lot of buzz. Blue Velvet got David Lynch another director's Oscar nomination. And uh, it, it, it reinvigorated his career. And you wouldn't get what we get out of him if it wasn't for the absolute disaster that is Dune. The heart-crushing Hollywood machine that was Dune wrecked him so badly that he's like never again i'm never giving a final cut again i'm making whatever the hell i want and he has doubled down on that 110 percent, which is why i think blue velvet is the thing to watch after this for you chris because i i think coming back to this it it's not the worst thing i've ever seen it is bonkers and ambitious and amazing at times but it is also completely wrong-headed and cut to shreds because there is hours, hours missing out of this movie. From the script to the actual shoot, huge chunks of character and stuff is missing out of this movie. But at the end of the day, when you watch the movie, all I could think was, it's Lawrence of Arabia meets Avatar Dances with Wolves in every single movie like that ever. It's just that. Yeah. I would say, I would say maybe the Game of Thrones Red Wedding kind of aspect is there a little bit. Everything that leads up to his family is like that. People have also described this movie as Star Wars, but way, way, way more smarter. Um, I, uh, I was going to ask you not, that. Not the movie. I'm talking no, about the book, that's the thing. By the way. Like, I was going to... I had a thought when I was watching this. Um, I was like, this movie is incredible. Like, okay, like, can we... I'll just go into it. Like... God, this movie's boring. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This is two hours and 17 minutes, and by the end of it, I was like, that was four hours. You can't convince me otherwise. Um, I, I gotta yeah. say, the first time I watched it, that's exactly how I felt. It felt like forever. So I felt like it took me all day to watch that movie. Watching it now, I watched it with captions. And watching it with captions, 
I was like, at least I understand what's going on and I can read it. And some of these names are interesting. And I went through IMDb trivia and I got some of the backstory of some of these things that I understood it a bit more. But <laughs> it's also incredibly bare bones. It's like for the first two hours, it's Paul Atreides is the Neo of this movie. He's going to be the Neo of this movie. Right. Guys, he's the Neo of this movie. And then they go there and his entire family gets murdered pretty much. Like just the, their power structure is gone. They've just been there's a whole coup on him. And that's pretty interesting. But then he becomes part of the Fremen and you're like, oh, here he is. He's going to be the. Yeah, here we go. He's the he's the Neo. He's Neo now. But it also is basically um, Lawrence of Arabian in how it's shot in a lot of the ways he blows up things as like a rebel leader. It basically is just Lawrence of Arabia. And then uh, I would also say, yeah, the Avatar stuff. This guy who was part of the machine is now come down to break it and give freedom to the planet and their resources. It's 100% those. Uh, I don't know how much of Star Wars that is for that, except for the hero's journey stuff. Um, and that, that's it. I think like they have a lot of hero journey thing and there's sci-fi and stuff, but it reminds me way more of Game of Thrones meets um, Avatar, if anything else, and then like steals a bunch of visual stuff from Lawrence. Because like, I, I was watching this movie and I had a thought. I was like, this movie's incredibly boring and apparently, and if like... And apparently it, like you said, it bombed. Um, so I was thinking, like, this is 1984. Like, I don't know what you guys think about this. It was like, for, like, immediately following, it's like, did Star Wars kind of maybe sort of kill, like, the smart sci-fi action movie? Like, this, it's, okay, this movie's not, like, primarily action um obviously but like did star wars kind of like ruin movies that are smart like sci-fi movies that are slower pace and like big think kind of thing for like it's time you know because like i want to think that people would have given this a better shot if like um if um if something like Star Wars had like had come out like well let me a- let me ask you this question because I can I think I can answer this very simply but I want to ask you first okay if you what are the if comparing this movie to Star Wars what do how would you do that like what is it that Star Wars does better in that film versus this film and then I'll give you my opinion of what you were thinking. What does Star Wars do better than Dune? <laughs> In what category? Yeah, any category. Just like if Dune is a wrong movie, special effects would... for one. Yes, bad special effects. Um, bad there are some good ones, but there are some bad ones. Although I'd still say the worms are about on par with the Sarlacc. I will say though, could have been worse. Well, the reason the reason I said that is because David Lynch would admit this this himself. He's not meant to make these kind of movies. He never was. That's the other thing. Like he knew that. Like if he could make it his way, and I think he could, based off of what I'm seeing right now. Like this set, like the set and production design is nuts and crazy good. I think, I think visually he made a world 
that works. But yes, the special effects are terrible and it's cut to ribbons. But and there's some bad performances. And that's the thing. He isn't meant to make these kind of movies. He's a slow paced filmmaker. He has made he has gone on like if you look at Twin Peaks The Return, he puts stuff in there that, you know, he always wanted to make. But he's also a way better filmmaker by that point. This is his third movie ever. Ever. And he didn't even want to be a filmmaker. So like his heart was never into let's make a big budget movie like this. And he knew from day one that wasn't the point. And then making it, he was like, I'm not I don't think I should be making this. I don't think I should be making this movie. And it's true. If he had the time to really like read the beginning and stuff, if this was a TV show, I guarantee you he would have left halfway as the director to give it to people who could have handled the action better. Like he's just not an action guy. He never has been. It's just He's a he's just not meant to make this kind of movie. So yeah, it's slow and confusing. People didn't have captions on their big movie screens back then. They didn't know um, what to do with giant gross aliens and stuff. Um so and also I think like when I funny enough, my mom has seen this movie. That's right. And I watched it with her. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> and like, so she was reading my reactions the whole time because she thought, apparently she had seen it three times back when she lived in Florida. Like, whoa. Um, she likes this movie? No, she does not. How um, do you see it three times? I, she had nothing better to do back then. There's a whole other story that I won't get into. Um, but, like, for me, I just think, like, I was thinking about this, like, after I had thought about it, we were talking, I was like, wait a minute, this story is so, it's, okay, it's not so, that, but this movie's kind of paint by numbers? Like, once I understood what was going on, because I was, I thought I was going into, like, some weird comp overly complicated thing that was you, you like, so far up its own ass or something you you um, are it's, it is that but it's also cut to the point where every single line of dialogue is either exposition or plot right and so when i boiled it, i finally boiled it down i was and i was like oh it's like the story's not that hard it's just overcomplicated. It very much so is, yeah. And for me, I think like, and the same goes for Star Wars. The story is really simple, but I think it does better with that than this movie did, even though it's two different like ways about ways of going about it. I, I get like the fantasy elements of Star Wars are are very small and specific and the sci-fi is all visual the movie is played in a very sort of like 1930s 40s flash gordon type way where we're just sort of like going we're everything's going things moving this is like game of thrones and real fantasy we're like i'm i'm gilhard of narford and i come with my sword of oblivion i took it from a lady in the lake and you're like shut up i don't care that's why I don't get into fantasy and stuff like that. It's just like, I get why people do, but it's, I just, it slows me down 
when it comes to that stuff. And that's what this is. Like the reason Game of Thrones works is they set up those houses that are vying for the throne. And that's why the ending sucks because they, they just speed that ending up to a woman burning everyone. And it's like, oh God, you needed to take your time with that stuff. Because if you don't take your time, you get this. Where it's just like, yeah, it's bare bones and it seems confusing. But at the end of the day, if I'd have spent more time with this, I might have cared about all that world building. So, also, the internal dialogue did not mesh well for me. I was like, this does not belong here and it does not fit anywhere. Um, that is not a trademark of David Lynch. He does not do that a lot. I will say that Terrence Malick does that a lot, which I find interesting. Some of his films it works, and some of his films it doesn't. I don't know whether that's but, a thing that occurs in this book or if it's something that they did so that they could chop the movie to ribbons and then just have us understand stuff. Because like as as I was watching the film, I knew right away. I'm like every single time that there's voiceover, it's probably to explain something they didn't think would be understood in this movie after they cut it up. And as I was watching, I'm like, no, some of this stuff is pretty self-explanatory, and you probably could have come from the book because there is telepathy in there and stuff. So I I would have to read the book and know if telepathy and mind reading is something that happens often. But I also know for sure that there are times where the voiceover is just there to explain things they don't think the audience would understand. So there's a muddy water in there that I can't figure out yet. Like, I'm sure, like, as I'm saying, like, I'm sure it's been done better in other movies. But, like, in this movie, it was just, like, everything stops. Like, the movie would stop for internal dialogue. I was like, this is not natural. This does not feel natural at all. It did not feel organic. Um, every time they rode the worms, I laughed so hard. Like <laughs> uh, the guitar <laughs> in the background is so gnarly. Also, and so my mo- so when we were watching it, my mom was like, "The a char- like uh, a character." Oh, hang on a second. Um, a character came on sc- a char- like a character came on screen like that character um, and um, and he and she's like I bet you know who that musician is and I'm like the one that looks like Joel McHale that's Joel McHale oh wait it's Sting that was Sting does that Sting look like Joel McHale hilarious <laughs> I will say um, the Baron yep he looks like something out of Mad Max honestly he does absolutely covered in all yeah. those and everything for sure. I seriously a, thought he was the, he was like a grown up version of like the smaller, like the guy, like the smaller guy in the chair from Fury Road. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, gosh, like that is like, oh. Whew, this movie. There's a, <laughs> I mean. It was nice to see Max von Sydow in something other than Force Awakens for once. Um, he's in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, gonna be he's surprised. Been I'm sure he's in a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, like, just, like, genre-based stuff. Like, um, I was just reading a thing on Facebook where it listed all the things that he had done, and I was like, holy crap, that's right. Um, so, granted, this, this may... Also, another thing. And this may be... I'm kind of jumping around, but, you know, because I'm just spatting out all the thoughts I had. This may be... 
like the only like David Lynch movie I've seen start to finish. He's got to be the trippiest filmmaker out there, right? He is one of. Good God, that some of that stuff was some of the stuff was hypnotizing. Like uh, every single uh, dream he had was like, whoa, I'm in a movie. That is probably my favorite stuff in this movie. The dreams are beautiful. And he uses them later. Like, he basically has the same dream sequences with Kyle MacLachlan and Blue Velvet that are almost like frame for frame the same thing. But they are beautiful here. Like, when the water's dropping in. Like, uh, yeah, I think the dreams are so beautiful. Um, I also do like the worms when they're not uh, being ridden. <laughs> yes, the writing and the guitar is so funny. But the worms themselves are not bad. Yeah, when that when when the first time we see a worm like swallow that whole like that that mining vehicle, I was like, that looks pretty impressive actually. If it wasn't in a cockpit view, I'd be I'd be like more of a, I was like, that actually looks pretty good. Um, there are also moments throughout the movie where I'm like, oh man, Denis Villeneuve is gonna nail these visuals when he when that movie comes out. Like, I agree. I, am I think he's gonna do a better job than this. That being said, that's probably not that, that not that hard. <laughs> Comparatively. For certain things, for certain things, yeah. Um uh I how did you feel when that first alien showed up in the tube? I was I was like, oh <laughs> um I was like, that's a neat looking creature design, I guess. Um I like how, I like how it was practical. Like this movie, the movie starting with that scene, I was like, this may not be that bad. It's like I mean, everything else was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that scene too. Um, like you said, the uh, the sets were, the sets are pretty good. Um, and like oh when. Um, hold on. When Paul's dad dies, mm-hmm. and that moment happens, and they're flying away, and the woman who plays Lady Jessica, <laughs> when she reacts, I'm sorry, I, I I laughed at that part too. That was really, I thought that was really funny. No, uh, like, like, oh, he's laughing. dead. Ah! and then Kyle McLaughlin's just like, well, I'm trying to steer the ship. <laughs> um, trying to I steer the when, ship with one wing <laughs> I, lo- I love the moment where he's uh, sitting second. at the thing hmm? oh he went he went I love the moment where he's sitting down in the chair and and Patrick Stewart and the bushy eyebrow guy show up and he's like and Dean Stockwell and he's like, I knew you guys were coming. I could see you in my mind's eye. And he's just like, the wor- it's the worst. It's just, he's so, he's, I don't know why he's acting like that. He, he's, again, it's David Lynch. I know why. He, like, he, may, he gets those kind of weird performances out of people. But I also just think he doesn't, he's not right for this at all. It's so funny when you look at those moments of performances and you're like, oh, he was never right for this. But it's like, it's like M. Night Shyamalan making Last Airbender. He was never right for it. Um, yeah, like, the montages. Like, 
toward like I couldn't tell when I couldn't tell when like the acts like, this felt like a one act movie where I didn't feel like one act ended and another one began. I couldn't tell where that was. Honestly. I felt like when, when the when the coup happens and they've blown up everything and the mom and him are I think the moment the mom and him meet the Fremen that's supposedly the halfway point of the story. But then yes, there's like a a shit ton of montages that's just like oh she's having a baby oh she's the like seer now oh he's met this woman oh they're in love like it, that stuff happens so fast so that's probably a bunch of the stuff that was cut. I was laughing. That was like, okay, another look. Okay. Oh, dude, when it all leads to them writing the worms to guitar rock music and that ending, that when you, when he meets the people and that's when they decide to explain the whole use your voice to shoot people, uh, that to me was hilarious. Oh, the dagger fight at the beginning. Oh, yeah. when, he, when he had that whole thing, they had those CG shields, I was mouth agape. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, I was mouth agape. And my mom was talking to me the whole time. And I was just like staring at my screen at what was happening. Just like jaw on the floor. Like, what? <laughs> like, what? It's and, bad, but it's also detailed in a really weird way. It's just, it's not good. No. No. It, but it's a, a lot of little things like that where I think the 2021 is going to do so much better. It's going to look right. so much better and the explanation will make a little bit more sense. And hopefully if they're smart, that first that Dune movie isn't just the Dune movie. It's right. the first of a few Dune movies. No, here's, well, my well, th- even, here's my thing, even, though. Even that director has said that he wants to take a break after that. He's like, that took such a huge chunk out of his life. And he's still not even done. Yeah. So another thing I was thinking when I was, oh gosh, um, dang it, I lost my train of thought. Shoot. Dang Let's it. take a second to see what Zach thought for. What What do you think of this movie, yeah. Zach? Oh boy. So, Alex, as you know, I have I have seen, ah. I I have seen the game Death Thrones. Uh, so I'm very familiar with the concept that they're trying to go with on this and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but bro, dude, like, <laughs> there, there are, so, so first and foremost, like, I'm not as bugged by the visual effects being bad. It's the eighties, you know, whatever. Star Trek was so, doing the same thing, essentially. That yeah. Is. I mean. Yeah, Star Trek was doing the same kind of nonsensical stuff. My biggest problem with this movie is that next to nothing was explained. Wow. Like, like the first movie... Like, or I shouldn't even say the first movie because it's not even the first movie. This movie, like... So I felt like the first, like, two-thirds of the movie where they're like here's the good guy family here's the not good guy family we um i felt like they um set that up i I felt like he set it up fairly well and i felt like there was a lot of potential there and i felt like they could have expanded a lot of that and then ended the movie when they met the freemen Basically, the point where they had that red wedding sequence, 
and they they kind of did their thing. I God. Like I 100% think that like the movie very much could have ended right then and there and I would have been just fine and there was a second movie that was like all the jihad stuff and all the all the everything else that was going on. Yeah, I mean, if you take it, if you take the story at like face value, it's basically it's they have these houses that are vying for spice, but you have this one house that's going there. The bad house is gonna set a coup on them. The son, who was never meant to be a son in the first place, ends up being the the hero, the the messiah of the people of the planet, and uh, heads a re- heads a revolution and gets revenge on his. The uh, murders of his family. Pretty which, simple. You know, which is basically, you know, functionally the plot of Game of Thrones season one through six. <laughs> functionally, yeah. It, so, so, like, which I love because I think, like, the first six seasons of Game of Thrones are so good in general. They're flushed out. They're just, you get like, the time to like live with these things and, and a huge chunk of this movie is to do two things and it's explain what these houses are and what the universe is and that he is the one that's going to be a messiah of something and that's yeah. it you know that there's a traitor and that there's going to be a coup at some point and you're just waiting for that to happen but in the time you're waiting for it to happen all of it is just like here's the, i'm from this i'm this i do this here's this name of this place of this family of this doing this thing it's like i'm doing this they keep the sleeper has awakened just you know whole bunch of crap and yeah it's all on it's all in like the only reason it worked for me the most this time is because i put captions on and i could actually retain that information if i couldn't at some point like yeah chris is right it gets so boring that you can't you just can't do it anymore you need help um and i'll tell you what this is not the most boring david lynch movie he's made slower ones ones that i don't think you would like there's there's movies that he's made that i think you would say are worse than this and that you would watch over this chris but like ultimately yeah it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of world building and set design for um just basically a guy that's gonna head a revolution and i i get it because that's what lawrence of arabia is in a lot of ways in terms of length of storytelling and like vastness and everything and i get that's kind of what they're going for but it just doesn't it doesn't work because there's still so much information you're missing there's nothing personal about these people because all you're hearing about is how they functionally fit in this world or within the story all of it is exposition all of it is story beats so it's just it's all it feels all very distant especially the pace being as slow as it is it all feels very distant yeah so what i was gonna say earlier was like in the in the remake that comes out or the adaptation from denis villeneuve the thing i want to see is something that denis villeneuve will do something in his movie or like the way he like the way he makes this better is that he doesn't have a scene that David Lynch has. Like, if there's, like, something... Or, like, something will just be like, this is... Like, 
it'll move quicker because they're not because they're not it's not exposition at every cut um so like oh, what's a good example like um like <laughs> so like if something in this you know what i'm saying uh it's too it's way too late for me um I just like like that move. Like I just want to see Denise Villeneuve's movie be better, simply because it has something in the movie that David Lynch's movie didn't have. Like a like a like scenes were removed or reworked. But even though that's not what this is, this is just Denise Villeneuve's adaptation of Dune, not his remake of David Lynch's Dune. No, I think. Um... I think the reason nobody would want to do it is because there is a noticeable lack of passion behind this. I think this would have been better if he truly was with the studio and making a two-hour cut of this movie, but he wasn't. He knew it couldn't be done on the way he wanted to do it, and he powered through making the version they told him they would make, even though he knew he wouldn't get final cut anyway. It basically, he sold out. He sold out. And he'll say it first, more than anyone. He just wasn't the right fit and. Although there are things about this that are like amazing to look at and interesting in some extent, honestly, he just wasn't in it. But he did form a lot of great relationships and working relationships and an entire career based on only what he wanted to make. Uh, like he is the 110% vision behind every film he makes, whether you like it or not. I, I have learned to love all his films. Keyword learn. It takes time. Um, this being one of them. Uh, at the end of the day, when I look at um, Villeneuve and what he's done for his movies, uh, he he is very much about the visual aspects. He can mix, I think, atmosphere with story beats and character moments. He he is someone that I think learns from visual language more. Than, he is someone who benefits from learning from visual language than other filmmakers. Like Twenty Forty Nine is a pretty simple story. But it as long as it is because it's like him taking time to build the characters through the visuals. And uh, I, I look at his work and I think he's I, I trust that he can make this world. He can explain this world through his visuals more than Lynch can. But also watching this with the captions on and seeing the words on the screen and looking at the thing that I was looking at even more so because of it. I, I honestly think this like he, Lynch does work visually pretty well on here storytelling wise like some of these things did not need to be explained but it's also super boring and it's super slow and there's a lot of names so if you're sitting there trying to like understand the names but also the special effects suck and it's slow like you're not going to care whether or not it's doing some of the work right visually you're already like you're already not interested so that's because he wasn't interested in it but there are some things that are cool. I do think the worms are cool. I'm looking at the worm just opening his mouth and looking at uh, Paul as he's just fallen off the mountains. And he looks good. Like, that mouth looks good. There are things that are good about this that I appreciate more that I've seen more films. But also, uh, it's a hard watch, man. Like, it's not great. Yeah. I was like, I probably, I slept the best I have slept in, like, a long time like in a while the night before like i had like a full eight hour sleep and i woke up 
you know, did my thing. And then I went in and watched Dune with Mom. And, like, ten minutes in, I was like, I'm about to fall asleep again. <laughs> <laughs> ten minutes in, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I would say the best thing about this in terms of it being a David Lynch film would be some of the gross, disgusting creature effects are yes, reminiscent. Yes, yes, yes. They're very reminiscent of a racer head and elephant man. Um, he doesn't really follow through with that that much, and... He comes back to it later in Twin Peaks The Return, which is basically an overview of his entire career in 18 hours, as well as being a Twin Peaks sequel. Um, but he, this is very reminiscent of his earliest career. The, the alien, the cut, like ripping through the hand when it's on fire, the ripping through the face of his father when the smoke's coming out. Um, it's the alien weird crap in space. Yeah, that stuff's great, I think. Really great. Like, um... Also, I will say uh, the Baron <laughs> having his his um his zero gravity suit like tampered with by the by the young sister, and then he gets he fly he flies out the window and then into the mouth of a worm. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I'm sorry. That, that was so great. good. That was actually a great villain kill on its own. I agree. I think that's great. I hope it's in the book so that it's in the other movie. And then also, I would say. That, that's in the book that book's insane well the book is crazy dude i was gonna say like half of this st- i think this is a pretty solid adaptation in terms of what it takes from the book like i don't think lynch strayed and tried to add his own stuff to it i'm pretty sure this is as bare bones as it gets like the studio just cut it as much as they could which is why it's as weird as it is but i honestly hope that's how he dies i really do but like also is that little sister creepy as shit Oh, definitely. Scariest thing ever. Definitely. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that that sister would go on to work with Lynch. Kyle McGlock would go on to work with, work with Lynch. Dean Stockwell. Um, uh, uh, Jack Nance, one of the henchmen, was the lead in Eraserhead. It would be in every single thing Lynch would ever do. Uh, almost all of these actors. Almost all of them would end up working with Lynch again at some point. The leader of the uh, Fremen would go on to be a big part of Twin Peaks all the way up to the return. Like it, Most of the cast here, he really formed good relationships with. He formed, his, he formed his own personal Avengers here. Um, Pretty much. If Laura Dern was in this movie, it would be a 110% like, knockout. But like Lynch would go on to do Blue Velvet. Um, he would win the Palme d'Or for his next film, Wild at Heart with Nick Cage and Laura Dern. He uh, would make Twin Peaks by then, and for the first season, it was a massive hit, and people were watching it all over the place. By the second season, it bombed terribly and got canceled. He would go on to make a Twin Peaks movie. He would then get a lot of... He would make a movie that I do think he would enjoy called The Straight Story, and it makes me cry every time I watch it. It's so beautiful. It's a Disney movie, so it should be on Disney+. Plus. It's up there with Elephant Man as, like, uh, Oscar kind of bait stuff, and I believe the lead actor did get an Oscar nomination for it, but it's like, it's Lynch's sweetest movie. It's very slow and you watch it when you're in the mood to be slow on a nice summer day, but it's beautiful. I love it. So good. But then he would make Mulholland Drive. That was like his biggest, that's like his most famous thing. Most people would say that's his best movie. I, I'm still on the fence about Blue Velvet, but like Mulholland Drive is a masterpiece and where it came from was like the ashes of a TV show. And, um, 
think you think he got nominated for a director. I don't remember, but um, it's his most well-known movie. Naomi Watts is great. Justin Thoreau would, would be in that too. Uh, then he would make Inland Empire, which is his hardest film to watch, I think. Um, oh, he made Lost How- Highway in the 90s too. And then he made Twin Peaks The Return years later, and it's just an overview of everything he'd ever done. I even think there's some Dune stuff in there. Um, David Lynch would make an entire career based off of what he wanted to make. He made he basically was his own Quentin Tarantino after this. He was like, he just was like, I... Uh, if he didn't have Dino De Laurentiis there to be like, I stand by you. I'm going to give you a proper chance here. I like our working relationship. Let's make something. And if he didn't have Blue Velvet in his back pocket, I don't know if he would have felt uh, ready. I think he was just sort of like really beaten to death through this. Uh, and it makes sense. You look at like, this isn't a lazy film, um, it, but it is, a, it does, I do feel like it's just someone who, was asked to paint the Sistine Chapel and just didn't want to do it. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, just like, yeah, that's, yeah, also like, I didn't feel like when I was watching this movie, it just didn't, most of the time, it just didn't feel like there was a lot of life behind it. You know? Like, when there was stuff happening, like when there was, like, um, like when the Harkonnens were about to attack uh, the, uh, um, they were they were about to attack the planet, and there was a bunch of people just running around. There was actually like background noise and like people were like, like doing stuff. I was like, finally, like there's life. <laughs> there's, <laughs> in, you know, I like, not ever. Like, I I don't know if it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if every movie needs to do that. But, like, something in the background that's, like, happening. I don't know if that's, like, an ADD thing. But, like, like something happening in the background. Not not really just, like, something to look at as a distraction from, like, or, like, it's something else to look at. But, like, just adds life to it. Which I was, like, I felt like I was lacking in this movie. Because there were not, in a lot of the... In a lot of the scenes, not a lot was happening. They were just like there talking, or Paul was either sleeping or writing a worm. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, for the whole time, I was like, there's not a lot of life here. Like, there's no, like, nothing breathe. Like, like I'm not connecting with these big, massive visuals, and maybe. Maybe that's the point, or maybe I'm giving the movie too much credit. I don't know. Just like when stuff was happening and people and more than two people were moving and making noise, I was like, finally, there's some life and things are happening. You know. I do. I just think it's so funny that you go from like that knife scene, that knife duel, where like it's just people have bushy eyebrows and the and Everything looks stupid. My mom could not get over the eyebrows either. She was like, look at those stupid eyebrows. Stupid eyebrows. And like, you just look at all this and you're like, wow, it's going at such a slow pace and the performances are so weird. And then, um, and then it's just a lot of talking about how he's the Messiah and how he's a bastard and all this. Just like none of it is paid off for so long. And then later in the film, oh my gosh, so much later in the film, 
they're shooting guns through their mouths and like writing worms to guitar rock and you're like what happened here what how did they like there's an evil little sister talking like a demon and sending like bad guys up into worms mouth like they're writing the worms what the hell just happened it just it, it's super crazy to me i love it I, I i think you can make that work absolutely but i don't think you can make it work in two hours with the yeah. slowest filmmaker in the world also since we've been going on about this for a few weeks i actually th- i think this movie was like okay now i'm irked by the lack of like diversity in this cast like that this welcome to the 80s chris this <laughs> actually irked me it's like oh yeah. oh like it took like i've been numb this whole time so now i'm actually like starting to wake up out of this coma and now like this actually kind of bothered me i was like there's so and there's most of them are so like like Kyle mclaughlin Probably like the nicest guy on earth, Alex. You could probably testify to that. Um, pretty, pretty nice. He's getting a boost because of Tim Peake's return. You're gonna see him in more stuff. Yeah, like bless him. But the hair, the baby face, just like, and then it was all, and then and then er, almost everybody else was the exact same way. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> like. Oh my goodness, like somebody is somebody is there somebody who's not white? No? Okay, okay. All right. This is a whole other race of people. I will say this. uh, That I do think that that would have been the case with this movie regardless because it's the eighties. But I will say that David Lynch does not have a lot of uh, I, I maybe in Twin Peaks the Return he has more, but no, honestly, he's a mostly he mostly casts white people. He said he has a big thing for the fifties and turning like fifties stuff on its head, and a lot of that is part of it. But also, no, he really just doesn't have a lead character that's black or colored in any way. Like, there's no one who isn't like a white male or woman in most of his stuff for sure. David yeah, so Lynch I- is probably a secret racist. Uh, yeah. Well, his bad guys are white too. He just doesn't pass <laughs> that way. It's not like he's saying that like immigrant or immigrants or anything are bad or like anyone. It's just mostly he casts white people as bad as bad and good because he's a class. He likes classic stuff, I would say. And also, he just doesn't have a lot of movies and television shows. But even in Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks is the whitest white town. I agree. He doesn't have a lot of black characters. Period. Yeah. Um, like I'm not saying that like not the guy. I was just like I was that just like bothered. It just nope. it got to me for some reason. Like out of all the movies we've seen, like this was the movie that like where it snapped. I'm like okay, all right. <laughs> um, In a movie filled with a bunch of different races of aliens and people, most of them are all they're all white. All of them right. are white. Um. Also, like in terms of performances. Is it me or did everybody was like everybody felt like they were acting the exact same way? Like, um, that's that's a very uh, Lynch way to go about it. Yeah, like like Shyamalan, everybody acts in that same tone that Shyamalan does. That's, okay, Lynch again was not the right person for this. Later he I was about to say it, like it, yeah work. 
I don't know if it was by design, but it just like felt like everybody was kind of like a robot. Either a robot or everyone's in a dream. Right. That's how I would describe most of his movies. Either they're talking like 1950s or they have no emotion or you're in a dream. Not, nobody speaks normally in his movies, ever. Also, I do think it's rather fascinating that he was given a... He, was, he at one point, was given a choice of, like, I could do my own thing and build something from the ground up that's... Then in, like, I feel like in, hi, like in hindsight... Like, the benefit of hindsight, I think this is fascinating. It's like, don't sigh. Uh, I feel like in the benefit of hindsight... With the benefit of hindsight, it's like... I could do my own thing, and it'll bomb. Or I could do what George Lucas says, and pretty almost pretty much be set for life. But and then he chose to do his own thing. Still, and without people that he would have maybe have gotten with George Lucas. Right. Um, he was going to direct uh, Return of the Jedi, right? Like yeah. that was a movie he was up for. Okay. Yeah. The whole, like, the way you described it, I feel like, I feel like, like, the whole timeline was, wait, was he going to direct, I was thinking, like, wait, was it Empress Strikes Back he was going to direct? I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I, I, feel, I, yeah. I feel like Jedi would have been the better one of the two. I think he would, I think the way he makes actors talk, he would have been really good for the Emperor. I think he would have made all of that really creepy and weird. I think he would have made the father-son moments work. But I also don't think he would have gotten anything close to the kind of performances that they got in the other movies. I don't think he would have made the Ewoks work. I don't think maybe he would have made I, I, like the. I action, think the Ewoks would have broke him. Uh, I may, probably, but like the action in this movie isn't good, right? Like Zach, this like you didn't. Ah, no, no, it's definitely not good either. What? You didn't like the action in this movie either, right? Not really. It's very slow paced and kind of boring. Very eighties. I don't think he would have handled the rebellion <clears throat> or even the even like the spaceships and stuff later. I just don't think he would have been good at that. I think he would have made the Emperor stuff work. I think that's what Lucas was saying. But outside of that, no. And that's why he's never made a movie like this again. Ever. Um, also, like, I can only remember the guitar riff scene, but other than that, I felt like the soundtrack was non-existent. Um, this actually was nominated for best sound design, and to and to be fair, David Lynch's sound design for most of his movies are excellent. I think if you were to listen to this on headphones, you would notice things that you didn't uh, think were there. Um, he um he's put out a an album before of like dance, like gothic dance music. What doesn't he do? Seriously. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh! He's, he's got a YouTube channel right now where he like announces the weather every day and then talks about what he's working on. Like he's seventy something and he's just continuously going. He lives in like transcendental really stuff. Um, I I don't know if all of his work is for you, but I do know that some of his movies I think you would enjoy based off of where we've been, based off of where we are now. I think you'd like Straight Story for sure if you were in the right mood. I think you'd like Blue Velvet. He tells you the weather and talks about what's going on in his life. That's pretty chill at 70. Uh, yeah, dude, it's like a 50-second long video. Every day he's like, he's like, hi, I'm David Lynch. Here's the weather. Um, have a good day. And then later he's like, I'm working on a desk. <laughs> That's it. He never explains his movie. He never explains his work. 
Um, Inland Empire and Lost Highway, I think, are his most confusing movies. But outside of that, uh, Twin Peaks, I think, is his biggest thing that he's ever done. Um, Twin Peaks: The Return is the best thing I think he's ever done. Mm. That's like that was his that was his Fury Road. It was fantastic. It went through his whole career. Um, it brought up new stuff. It brought back Kyle MacLachlan played uh, a good guy, uh, a robotic kind of comatose person, the most evil man that ever existed, and just a normal lazy dude. Four people in eighteen hours, and it's unbelievable. Naomi Watts is fantastic. Uh, it's got Robert Forster in there. It's so good. Um, I, but the next thing I think for you would probably be Blue Velvet, which, uh, uh, spoilers, I'm going to bring that to the curiosity wheel tonight. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, I think, I think, um, I think it's time to grade, honestly. What's your grade? <sighs> stuff I like. Zach, is there anything you also wanted to bring to the table before we grade? Nope. It's very mediocre as a whole, and there's some good stuff, some bad stuff, mostly bad stuff. It's got an interesting story, but it's uh, it's a movie. I think we're all looking forward to the new one. Yes. Uh, you guys go first. I really don't know where to put this. Um... So I'm. I would say, it's not. It is boring, but it, the more you watch it, it does make sense. Um, it is hacked to ribbons and lacks a lot of character stuff, but it is it is impressive in a lot of ways, and it is interesting to see. Uh, uh, this director, not just my favorite, but this director, makes something like this. Period. It's just, it's fantastically weird. Um, there's so many misguided things. Like, Sting is propped up the entire movie for one fight at the end. Uh, he the, didn't the, even do anything to earn that fight, either. He wasn't, no. like, the one who, he wasn't the Baron, or, like, the one who killed, who got his father killed. Like, he that just, was, like, like, that didn't feel satisfying at all. Yeah, the it's the big guy who's running around hurting people the whole movie, like. Fade just sits in a pod and then gets out when he's like half naked and you're like. So there's something he must have done in the four in the original four hour cut. Uh, if he did, we'll never know. We'll never, we will never know. Never know. Uh, so I would say, uh, I I I don't. This is below average for sure. So I'm gonna go D. D. Maybe D, maybe a D plus because I do think that there's some like crazy stuff in here, but they are riding the worms right now. It's so funny. The look they give each other is so ridiculously bad. It's it is it is a last Airbender of its generation. So I have to think about it on those terms. As much as I love Lynch, Shyamalan's made great stuff too. But like he's just rubbing the paint on the guy's shoulder. Oh God, he was not right for this D. Um, D plus. I'm gonna go. D, I'm gonna go D plus. I think I'm in that ballpark too. I might just go. I think I'm. I, I'm, I think I. I feel like there's more to this than it's letting it, on. Like I feel like I'm is. missing a whole movie. You are, Chris. <laughs> like, but here's the problem. 
They cut it to smithereens. Yes. But I would have. But if it was me, I would have cut it more. That's my know. thing. Or I just would have like, like simple simplified it down, like that existing cut. Like I just would have simplified it down instead of all this exposition. Chris, I don't want to feel have... like I something went over my head. That's Chris, my biggest Chris, thing. Chris, no, let you... me get this out. Um, no, I get it. I get no, it. No, but... no, 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 no. Let me get this out. Just like for me, it's just like I don't. I want to feel like something. I, like I missed something, and I don't think. I don't think I did. You didn't. So. D minus. Like, okay. Wow. Yeah, okay. This was dangerously close. Like, I was, when I, it did, like, this was bad, but I didn't think it was F minus. I, I didn't think it was F minus bad. Here's the thing, Chris. Ugh. The, the book is so much more detailed in ways you can't even begin. Well, and that's the problem, isn't it? And I don't want to say, like, no, 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 no. Like, we were talking about this. I was talking about this with somebody last night. Like, obviously, like, when you make a book into an adaptate into a movie, you're talking from one medium to the other. So, when everybody says the book is better than the movie, of course it's better than the movie. That that story was originally told as a book. So... Of course, the best version of that story is probably going to be where it was originally made, and that was the book. So I'm yes. trying to judge this as the movie, and not as like, um, not but, as like what came before. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying but, to judge but, this as the movie, but Chris, and not like the story. I'm trying to judge this as the movie, right? Mm-hmm, not yes. as like because like. Of because co- like, I'm not going to disqualify a movie just because it was the adaptation of a book, and of course the book is probably much better. It would have even if this movie was awesome. It's still like there's still th- that still exists. So Chris, let me start by saying this, and I'm not. There are plenty of movies that are better than the books. I would argue, and. This, you know, there are probably people in the world who would speak, who would tell me I speak blasphemy for this. But I think that Infinity War and Endgame are better movies than Infinity Saga, which is the book, and Thanos Quest, which is what they're based off of. Yes. Um, And, hold on. I would also argue that there that Lord of the Rings movies are better than the books. Those books, Chris, if you've ever read them, are boring as shit. And they're very drawn out and there's a lot going on, much like the Dune book. Wait, so like and, the Hobbit movies? No. Well the Hobbit are three movies based on one book, which is just stupid and so they have the opposite movie. problem. Yes. The Lord of the Rings movies, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the Kings, which are each based on the three respective book called Two to- uh, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, or Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, and Return of the King. I think the movies are way better than the books. 
because the books are boring as hell. Uh, it's also why I don't think there should ever be a movie for Redwall, because those books are, like, nearly a thousand pages long in the back half of them, and I don't know how they're going to do it. And also, to an extent, I don't know how Game of Thrones would do the books, considering what George R. R. Martin has said, that the manuscript for Winds of Winter is right now. It's a 1,200-page manuscript. There's going to be more at the end of that. Just... It's a 1,200-page manuscript that would have had to have been cut down to 10 episodes. That's nearly... But here's my thing. This is what I'm trying to say. 100 pages an episode of content. There is no way they would have done that. They could have had a whole series built around Winds of Winter. What I'm trying to say is I'm not going to disqualify Dune because the book was was better. But I'm not saying that that you should, Chris. I'm telling you that the book's better because there's so much there. It's like... Of course, that's what I'm okay. saying. Well, I, mean, uh, like, I mean, I I agree with both of you. I do think you guys are bringing good points to the table. I but the the reason that the adaptation for Dune is such an interesting discussion is because several filmmakers and several people have been trying to make it since like the '70s. It's a yeah. big deal. It took 13 years just to get this version made, and it was a huge, huge disappointment for people for a lot of reasons. But also, it was just a hard adaptation in general. They spent three and a half years on this script, and it's just. That's an immense amount of time on something. I mean, like this. I mean, Chris, I, I, I hate to keep bringing Zack Snyder into this week to week, Alex, but look at this. You truly but look, do. <laughs> no, but, 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 but look at the the production history of Watchmen. That was a book that people thought could never be adapted for one reason or another, and it took Zack Snyder five years to write it, the way he did. So the fact that the movie got made, and this is this goes the same for this movie is a miracle and a half and it should be an accomplishment in and of itself. And the fact that this movie is getting a second movie, a reattempt at it is even crazier. I mean, Watchmen I mean, there got are it. other, there are other adaptations of, and there are other Dune books. Like Dune is like, it's, it's like a, a five big... book series, isn't it? Past this, past this story. There's a lot. Yeah. There's even a lot more. So like, I, I people want to see this stuff on screen and they want to see it done. Right. It just wasn't it, the eighties. Wasn't the right time for it. And now we have the money and the time to do it. But like in the back of my mind, I'm like, does this still need to be a movie? Why not make a miniseries out of it? Why not make a show out of it? Why not make three movies out of it? Like, it, But one three-hour-long movie, maybe. That's how Lynch imagined it could possibly be done. And seeing Lawrence of Arabia, yeah, Lawrence of Arabia is a four-hour-long movie. and People still love it. it. It has an intermission in the middle of it. It's basically two different movies. It can be done, but... It's about when is the right time for it. And I think now's a good time for a proper adaptation of it. Will, will it be the best? Who knows? Is he the best person for it? I've just seen 2019. I think he could make a very interesting, fun one. So I, I'm excited for it, but I think secretly, Alex, and this is what I'm thinking. I think they're going to pull an Andy Muschietti on Dune. What do you mean? I think... We think that Dune is one movie, but I think in the back, it's going to be two, and they're going to split the story in half. It, if they have faith in it, great. Why not? I mean, Lord of the Rings was three movies made at once. Why not do it more? Why not plan ahead for it? I think I really think Dune's going to be two movies, and I think this is just the first one. I think a D plus is fair. I think I've never read Dune, and this movie certainly gives me an understanding of what the story is now. Yeah. And rest is just seems like you know 
dress. It's sci-fi dress, and that's the whole point. Um, I think it's pretty fair. I also want to point out that I think, like, the fact that we haven't heard a lot about characters from the back half of the story in terms of casting decisions, I think all we've heard is Javier Bardain and Zenyatta. Is, Zendaya. Is, what? Zendaya. Zendaya oh, that's yeah. who was going to play the love interest. Oh, yeah. I was for the longest time trying to remember. I, I the whole cast and I can't I, remember it. I think the fact that we... Wow. I think the fact that we've only seen two characters from the back half of the the movie so far announced is an indication of that too because we're only seeing Javier Bardain and Zendaya, uh, whatever her name is, you know, Michelle Jones. I'm going to call her Michelle Jones for now. Uh, <laughs> the fact that we only see Javier Bardain and Michelle Jones uh, is an indication that I, I don't think Chris, I know it's funny, but you need to calm down. Um, is an indication that is really funny. But I think it's an indication that the characters are going to be around, but they're not going to be as heavily important as we think they're going to be. And the fact that they're describing them very bare bones is also a very big indicator that they are going to be very limited in their roles. Uh, and the fact that Michelle Jones isn't part of, like, the lead cast. She's not billed as lead cast. Despite her character being so important in the 80s movie, is also very important. <laughs> well, the movie is two different movies. It's this... No, it is. It is. And the coup happened, and then him being a leader of a revolution. She should be important. It should be important. And that should yeah. be the heart of where the story and that, is. And that's why... And the fact that she's billed as a supporting cast member is an indi- is a very big indicator that she's going to be a lead cast member in the next movie. Same with Javier Bardem. So I'm, I think that's a good point. It's, uh, I I think the fa- I I also think the fact that like the big bulky guy who from the uh, from the the Harkonnens, the Harkonnens is that how you, I don't Harkonnen yeah Harkonnens. The big guy who is hanging out with Sting a lot is played by Dave Batista. Makes me so happy. I want to see him try to copy that previous actor's laugh. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So, so Dave Batista is the uh, the big guy, and then uh, the the not big guy, the main villain is um, or the the guy that he fights at the end is um, played by um. If I remember correctly, that is. I don't think they've even announced who it is. Anyway. Oh, wait, no, no, no. No. Wait. Fade. It's Fade. It's, it's the who? Guy who plays, the guy Sting plays. No, I know. I'm trying yeah. to remember who plays him in the 2021. I don't think they've announced. Is there a movie coming out this year? Is there anything coming out this year? Yeah, it's December. It's coming out in December. Do we know that for sure? I mean that's its December's date right a better now. possibility right, yeah. for right now. That, I mean December's the main I mean I mean the main villain is played by Stellan Stelz Skazgard, which is awesome. Bootstrap Bootstrap Bill Turner plays the main villain, so So main thing is I think I'm gonna go see this when it comes out in fifty years. Um because I like to me I was like 
This movie's like super dark, isn't it? It's like, and then this adaptation was like, I mean, it's pretty harrowing. A lot of people died. Also, what I think is so interesting, not going to lie about this, is that after watching this, seeing the images to the new movie and understanding a lot of what's going on there. Yeah, like why they have things in their noses and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Dune. D for Dune. Not Doom. We almost got that, though. I said Dune. I know. We got Dune, well, not yeah, Doom. La- last week we got Doom. We forgot Dungeons and Dragons. We landed on Dune, and we all give it Ds. <laughs> it was destiny. Destiny brought us to this. <laughs> Dread it. Run from it. Destiny still arrives. Hey, Josh. <laughs> I want to point out Josh Brolin's in the next movie, and he oh, plays. Yeah. He plays uh, the dad. So. I thought Oscar Isaac played the dad. No, Oscar Isaac plays the villain. Oh. No, no, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac plays the dead. I'm sorry. So anyway. who does Josh Berlin play again? I'm sorry. I have to look at that. Oh, he plays Patrick Stewart. That's right. <laughs> uh, he put... My or mom Pat- was like, look, Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. Patrick Stewart's role is played by Josh Berlin in the new movie, which is like awesome. <laughs> That's a heck of an origin story for uh, Picard, though. Anyway, um, <laughs> Dune. That's done. Thank God. Um, curiosity Wheel. <laughs> Hard watch. Sorry. But fun. <laughs> yeah, Alex, what are you doing? Bringing, the, my, bringing David Lynch to my show. How dare you? You get to do it again. Cheap fried chopping town. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, all right. So I'm already going to put down Blue Velvet because that's what you said was going to be it. Now that's a curiosity. Zach, your pick. And I just want one. I know. I have to. You do yours. I gotta. I gotta figure out one. So I've been feeling. Uh, is that noise? Anyway, um, I've been feeling uh, very uh, in the mood for a truly classic uh, romantic tale. Actually, so um, I've decided Shit. that I am going to go. With uh, the original, uh, the um, the original film, Pride and Prejudice. God, and that zombies. is zombies. Wait, seriously? Yes. Ugh. Yes. Pride and Prejudice for zombies. Pride, Pride and Prejudice for zombies. That is not a classic, Chris. I thought you meant the original. <laughs> it I is was a like, curiosity. For a minute, Chris. For a minute there, I thought you actually picked like a kind of interesting movie that was boring oh no chris pride prejudice and zombies i've always been curious like why would they do it why oh, would they do it alex <laughs> i got it i got the movie what? now now alex i don't i'm pretty sure you still haven't seen this and i know you've wanted to see it but I need you to watch it in a very specific way. We've already established that he is not going to watch Hacksaw Ridge. No. Okay. It it stars Princess Amadala. Natalie Portman. Oh, uh, wait, is this... <laughs> Annihilation. Yeah, I've seen Annihilation. Oh, you have seen Annihilation? Did you watch it the way you were supposed to watch it? I have not seen Annihilation. No, not you, Chris. Not, Alex, did not you watch the way it? that... 
not the way that I've been wanting to watch it, but I now have the ability to do that. But I have seen it. Um, I have seen it greened out. I'll tell you that much. Oh, Chris, you 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 gotta watch this movie. This movie. First off, wait. Is that a curiosity? That doesn't yes, count. It is. Yes, no. it is a curiosity. No, 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 no. You know it's good. Yeah, it's on 2018. Alex it's knows it's good. Yes. I'm the only one who doesn't know it's good. You got to bring something that you have not seen in a while. Exactly. Yeah. I would say yes, Zach. Chris, I have not watched this since for two years. No, that's not long happen. enough. Not long no, enough. Not long enough. Damn you to hell. <laughs> Alex, why'd you ruin this for me? This was I was gonna give him a watch Annihilation. Wait, hold on. To be fair. To be fair. Rules, man. Stop. To be fair. In the interest of fairness, Alex, when's the last time you seen Blue Velvet? Uh God, it's been a couple years. Okay. Wait, define couple. No, it's been at least two years since I've seen it, but I have seen oh, it a lot. Okay, all right. You're right. right. I, Come you on. know what? I'll change mine too. I will change okay. it to um I will change it to a different one. Okay, what's the back catalog? Okay, for 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 your own interest, I will add Blue Velvet to the to the back catalog. No, I'll just switch it to good. I think that's fair enough. Switch it to good. Okay. Yeah. Blue Velvet on the back on the good catalog. Back catalog. Uh, okay, the back catalog for um for Curiosity, Jupiter Ascending. Ew. Lost uh, in Space, okay. two thousand one. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Gary Oldman. Um, the Gold Rush. Okay. Groundhog's Day. That's a good one. Um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which has been in theaters, but I think I missed it. Okay. Well, it's been a long time for me. Purple Rain. Okay. That's in mm. theaters. Donnie Darko. Oh, so good. True Romance. Okay. Battle Royale. Oh, Chris. You you sweet summer child. The Medallion. Okay. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. <laughs> that is a that is a story of God, what happened there? The most expensive European film ever made, and it was entirely crowdfunded. Anyway. Okay. Uh, hostage. Okay. Smoke and Aces. Yeah. Okay. Wolf Children. Oh, so good. Beetlejuice. Okay. Turbo Kid. Okay. Oh, Turbo Kid. I just remember Turbo Kid. Uh, Speed Racer. Okay. Waterworld. Oh, God. That's a curiosity. Um, The Core. Okay. And uh, Romeo and Juliet, the, the one that's set in, quote, modern day. Okay. Did you, any of those give you ideas? Yes, but I have, to, God, I I can't choose between these, so I need your your help so I can narrow it down to one. Mm-hmm. The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Yikes! <laughs> I've not seen it in a very long time, but it is Heath Ledger's last movie. Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I got confused with the Natalie Portman. Yes, no, that one's yeah, okay, I got gotcha. you. Um. Oh, you mean Mrs. Peregrine's School for Gifted Children? No, no, it's something else. That's that. not Natalie Children. Portman. That's Eva Green. No, he's I'm thinking of something else. Uh, I am thinking of... This I'm is think- the Christopher Plummer, Andrew Garfield, uh, Heath Ledger movie. No, yes, I remember. Where it's got, like, Jude Law and, and other people, yeah. talk, other people yeah. come in to 
role. Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. Uh, or Ex Machina. Ooh. A lot of nudity in that film. Yes, but it's so good. Great. It's great sci-fi. And, Ali- and Alicia Vikander is just great. Or Hill Gleason. And Oscar Isaac. For sure. Mm. Yeah, it's a couple Star Wars guys doing some non-Star Wars sci-fi. It's pretty good. Um, mm. Very interesting movie, for sure. Um, yes. So I would say versus those two... I don't know if Chris is ready for Ex Machina yet. It's so uh, weird, and it's so dark, but it's so good. Say, if you were going to pick a sci-fi movie that he would enjoy right now, it would probably be Arrival. Would probably yeah. be a better fit in that mold. I but have I not also seen Arrival since it first came out. I'll say, okay, but you've seen it already. Yes. Okay, then I would go Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. That's a weird movie made by a weird director with an interesting backstory filled with a bunch of celebrities. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's do Heath Ledger's last movie. <clears throat> um, anything for you? Chris? Oh, Chris, I already, I, said, gotta... uh, I already said Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Chris, we got to get you into watching Alex Garland, though. Like, oh my god. Like... You mean the guy who made uh, Gods of Egypt? No, the guy who made no, the guy who made Ex Machina and Annihilation. Okay, something that would work. Um, He also. Where'd you go with Zach? I'm sorry, I missed it. Uh, the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. I'll I'll text it to you because it's spelled really crazy. Um, I will post it in our Skype chat. Thanks. All right. So, that's how that's how you spell it. It's it's oh, crazy. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah. Uh, for reference, Chris, this guy wrote uh, DMC, uh, Devil May Cry. He wrote the screenplay to Dread. He okay. wrote. Uh, he directed uh, the TV show known as Devs. By the way, you should go see it. It's great. Uh, Annihilation and Ex Machina. Um. And yeah, dude, like this guy, this guy has done like crazy sci-fi for the last few years. And this is the guy, like every time one of his movies comes out, like, you know, it's going to be weird, but it's always really, really good. You got to see Alex Garland, dude. He's, oh my God. (laughs) Okay. All right, Alex, Uh, your choice. Okay. So ravenous. Ravenous. Wait a minute. Hold on. Didn't I add that to the? Didn't I add the that 19, to a different catalog? The 1999 one? No, I don't believe so. I wouldn't put it on the good movie wheel, and I don't think it's bad. The one from '99, right? Yeah. And you haven't seen that, it in a while. Guy, guy Pierce, Robert Carlyle, right? Guy Pierce, uh, David Arquette, Robbie, Robert Carlyle, Jeremy Davies, right? Guy Pierce, yeah. Oh God, dude, I'm so excited. <laughs> First All off, right. Al- Alex knows my secret love for Robert Carlyle in general. <laughs> Chris, you got to watch more Robert Carlyle. That guy is nuts, and I love him. I like him a lot, too. Something that I would think would be interesting to bring to the table would be a Samuel Jackson movie he did with him called Formula 451, I think. I am genuinely oh. nervous about this wheel. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, you're genuinely nervous about the wheel. I think this is. I think what you have with... Um, 
with your movie is interesting because it's it probably has more horror elements than you think. I know the cast is really good, but just I don't know how seriously they took it. Um, it I know nothing about that film outside of some of the cast, but I know nothing about it. Uh, I, mine I have seen, and I know it's fun, and it's bloody, and it's interesting, and it's it's got a lot of fun things to talk about. It's less... I think it's um, more fun than it is scary, but I also think it'd be interesting to see what you think about it. And then Imaginary Dr. Parnassus is just a weird movie. Like, it'd be it'd be interesting to hear you uh, your thoughts about something that's um, that is that. Yeah, okay. I th- I'm I'm also really <clears throat> intrigued because we can talk a little bit about Heath Ledger's career in it, and he's so integral to the movie. Okay. So, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> please, please, for the love of God. Uh, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus and Ravenous. Okay, so this is to... This is what we're going to replace the... Um, Curiosity. The Celestium with. Yes. So, spin! <gasps> and it is Ravenous! Oh my God! I tried using the magic of the 12th anniversary of the Dark Knight to force... The Imaginarium, but it didn't work. Damn it! So it is okay. Ravenous. So here's the story of Ravenous, Chris. It's about a guy okay. who, in the 1880, uh, 18, 1880s, I think. It's I think it's post Civil War, but either way, he's in like the outskirts in California. He is, I believe, in the war fighting, um, but he he feigns being dead and. So that he doesn't have to fight cowardly, and he gets stacked on top of bodies. And while he's stacked on top of bodies, he gets a taste for blood, and it becomes it becomes a half vampire, half cannibalism movie, where he gets sent to this post with all this outskirts. But then, like this other cannibal comes in, and it just comes like a fight for cannibalism. It's crazy. It's crazy weird. It's super fun. It's funnier than you think. It's got a bunch of celebrities in it, um, and it's one of my favorites. It's just. It's not as scary as it is goofy. Um, it's also got a lot of talent behind it. Um, female director. Uh, yeah, it's it's really weird. It's just a weird little movie that I think you're going to find funny and gory and bloody and silly. Chris, I hope after watching this that you look into Robert Carlyle's career because it is all over the place, but he's always so talented no matter what he does. He got famous in a, and him and you, McGregor, and a lot of other people got famous with David. Um, oh my gosh, I forgot the director's name. Uh, well, uh, he made like Slumdog Millionaire and a bunch of other movies, but uh, Train Spotting. No, got famous for Train Spotting. It's a movie about heroin addiction. I'm not ready to bring it to the table, but it is a movie you need to see one day. Absolutely. But we're not, you're not ready yet, which is why I was like... He, he's, also, he's also in Aragon and in Once Upon a Time. You're really pushing that agenda now. You better stop. I have, Aragon, yeah. I have to push Aragon so I can get Avatar. <laughs> why do you need Aragon to get Avatar? I have to push Aragon so I don't think about talking about The Last Airbender so I can force The Last Airbender. My agenda. I have an agenda. <laughs> you know you All can't. Right, so That's not how Av- the- you break the wheel. You know that, right? I will break the wheel because I, apparently I'm played by Amelia Clark. <laughs> oh, I just hit my favorite stupid thing about the movie Dune uh, that we just watched. And it's okay. the credits where you see the characters and their names like it's uh, like it's Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. 
I missed that part. I walked out of the room at that point. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I don't need to see anything else. Jeez, rough. It's a rough one. Um, okay, so for the curiosity wheel itself, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, we have Titan AE. Mm. Wanted. Heart and Souls. Spaceballs. Citizen Kane. Nacho Libre. The Dark mm-hmm. Crystal. The theatrical cut of Apocalypse Now. Okay. Book Smart. Yeah. Princess Mononoke. Bridge on the River Kwai. Surf's Up. And Gojira. Gojira! Ah! Did I miss anything? Nope. No, I don't think so. Good. And all of those movies... Oh, God, yeah. Weird. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. This is it. Are you ready for some football? Okay. Are you ready <laughs> for some football? Possibly in a film that we pick on this list. Oh, wait. Whoops. That's not the button I wanted. That's the button I wanted. There we go. I just hit the Watch button that. to erase everything. No. <laughs> Uh-huh. All right. Oh, I got it. I got it. All right, guys. All right. Here we go. Ready? Ready. Three, two, one. Spin. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus my God. Christ. Oh, my God. D- two very interesting reactions. Jeez. Oh my God in heaven! God, Chris, why did you like put that on that wheel? Uh oh, that's not okay. So, so Alex, no, 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 no! Don't. This is me, ladies and gentlemen. Oh boy, oh boy. Oh man! <laughs> it was oh, so no. close to what I wanted, but it, it was yeah. destiny, Chris. Ladies and gentlemen, the next movie we will be reviewing on the Meister Movie Podcast. It's Citizen Kane. Oh my god, how did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> Dude, the last few times, like, I've had gut, like, I've had guttural instincts about what it was, and the moment you guys gave your reactions, I was like, I think it's Citizen Kane. Guys, why are you upset? I'm, I'm not, not upset. upset. I'm just I'm like, like... <laughs> I just remember that this movie is super boring. <laughs> Oh my god, no! Oh no, no, It's no, gorgeous! No, no. no, it's gorgeous! Don't get me wrong, it's gorgeous! It's not boring! No, dude, I don't even think... I, yeah, it's gorgeous, and it has some of the best black and, t- black and white photography ever. No, I never have found that movie boring. I think that's an incredibly interesting script. I think Orson Welles is amazing. Like, I... You're, oh god, yes! I'm excited, guys! No, I think you're gonna like this, Chris. <laughs> If you like Night of the Hunter, I think you're. I will say this: this is a fast script. You need to watch this movie more than God. once. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> watch it. Watch it once, and then watch it again with captions. Okay. But I um, will say this: this is it's arguably the greatest film of all, the greatest American film of all time. I'd agree with that. It's just. Oh, this! I just found when I first saw this movie, dude, and to this day I still think it. Like, it just—I feel like the script is just boring. 
Dude, no, no, guys, no. It's still. Be- I didn't. I'm not saying any of this. It's him. No, I'm. I. Oh God, no, Zach. This is such a good script. Like, it's it's filled with so many lines. It's so interesting. Like, it's so good, guys. It's so good. Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, the first, just oh man, give it a shot, Zach. Zach, you need to watch this more than once. You, we barely get a chance of you watch the movie. One time, I need you to I watch. It. You need to watch it more than once. I know. We'll see. I'm still on night shifts for a while, so if I can fill it in there, come on. I'll find a way, Alex. I will find a way. So, so Chris, you put this on the wheel. What are you thinking right now? Um, that was the last thing I expected. Honestly, that was a that was a blindside moment. Chris, this um, is why we don't put things on the wheel. So they don't, we don't do this so they blindside us. We do this so we can expect them and have fun. No, not true. I like being blindsided. That's how we got Riccio. Yeah. Um, you knew what you were getting into with Riccio, though. Yeah, but you guys didn't. Ugh. I know what you're getting into with Citizen Kane because I've seen it, like, a lot, but Chris never has. So That's I'm why I put it. it on there. I've seen it. I saw it in film school, but in fairness, the person who taught it, I don't. This is the Alex. This is the guy who taught it. Was the guy who I was telling you about who doesn't like sci-fi movies because there's too many explosions. Okay, well then th- that guy is a guy that loves scripts. Obviously, yeah. I can tell right off the bat he's a guy that loves scripts. Like he loves. T- he probably is a big fan of the front page and Howard Hawks and stuff like that. Like, I get it. I do. Fine. He's probably like me where he loves it. And the thing is, my favorite writer is Jared Sorkin. He doesn't write any action movies. He writes nothing but dialogue scripts. But, like, this movie is also beautiful. The performances are great. The visual techniques are amazing. The music is awesome. Like, it, it the story is basically, you. I will give you a hint. It's going to remind you a lot of Trump, for sure. Of what? Like, of Trump. For sure. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Very oh, that no. kind of person in that idea. Of I just I just thought Alex, thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> I forgot. It'll help. I know. <laughs> um but I don't know, like just I want you guys to watch this as an entertaining movie. I want you to think about it as when it was made, nineteen forty. This was made in nineteen forty. And I want you to think about all the flashback techniques, how they shoot things. How the like angles are. Think of the performances. Like this is ahead of its time on so many levels that I like. You could watch it technically, and then you could watch it just for the story. But I think you just need to watch it once, and then maybe watch some stuff on YouTube about it. But then the second time, like really, really give it a second chance. Like I don't want you to just watch it once. Like I don't I, think I, I get that, Alex. I've seen this movie well, before. I, I know exactly what you're talking, talking about. about for this, for now, to talk about it within seven days, you need to watch it more than once. Well, I was going to ask you, Zach. Well, how long has it been since you've seen it in film school and now? Oh how God! I, I when I first watched Citizen Kane, that was freshman year of college, so that would have been 2012. 2011, 2012. Uh, probably March 2012. Maybe a little bit earlier than that. Maybe February. Um, God, I, re- I remember the exact month that I watched Citizen Kane. Um, that's weird. Um, 
God, since then, I've completely developed my love for Hayao Miyazaki, and I've watched hell of a lot more film than I could ever have imagined since watching this. This may not seem as boring anymore because of that. That's oh, probably. I, probably not. In fact, I, I'm certain I'll love it at the end of the day. But um, I hope you do, but I think you'll appreciate it more at the very least. Yes, I I just know at the time it was so boring, and I was, and, and maybe it was simply because. In fact, I know it was probably because of this when we studied it. So we studied in 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 order of uh, film how film was made. So we started watching a lot of a lot of the um the brothers. I forgot what the the brothers who invented film, the first filmmakers were. Um, I don't remember their names either. I'm gonna look this up because it's gonna bug me. Yeah, so I put um, this on here because I had heard it was the greatest. It was one of the, the Lumiere brothers. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, so we started by watching the early stuff, the Lumiere brothers, and then a little bit into uh, George Malay's, and then uh, and then we started really going into um, a lot of that. And our first like real plot-driven story beyond um, like the the cabinet of Doctor Caligari and uh, stuff like that was Citizen Kane and. Uh, obviously we had, we, we had mostly been what I like, I think Citizen Kane was our first audio film we watched because with like actual dialogue and all that. And uh, Chris, I, I don't know if you, obviously I know you haven't watched a lot of super early film and silent film era stuff, but barring Charlie Chaplin and George Malays, it's like so fucking boring. Like you fall asleep in almost, you fall asleep in so many movies and they're super happened in the 30s uh I, I would disagree like i'm a big 30s fan that's probably why i have a bias but i think in fact 1939 is considered one of the greatest years it has wizard of oz gone with the wind like forget yeah. about it no but, the, but, like, but you gotta understand i'm talking silent film I'm talking silent film here well no silent film i would make stronger arguments for too because i'm getting more into it that's why i want to put sunrise on the goodwill at some point like i i i I'm I'm I, not den- I'm not denying the strength of Gone with the Wind or with uh, Wizard of Oz. They're both great movies and they're both classics. What I'm getting at is that, barring a very a, a couple of very well known directors, I felt like they were very very boring and there's not a lot going on there. There's a lot of technical stuff that's in there that's super great. There's a lot of mise en scene stuff that's super great there. There's a lot of avant garde stuff that's super great there. But the, for the most part, you're listening to an audio track. And you're watching in really pretty pictures, and that's about it. And a lot of this, and some of this audio track is really boring. And maybe it's because a lot of it involved lecture while we were doing it. Um, but when we finally got to enjoy something, yeah. If you're being told why you're supposed to enjoy something while you're enjoying it, you better be interesting yourself or and not be pedantic, or you need to let people watch it on their own and then discuss it. Which is yeah. why I, let, I want you guys to experience it on your own before you bring so, it to people right beforehand. No, I get that. So, so when we finally sat down to watch Citizen Kane, which was our first major uh, film that we watched with audio in it. Oh, that call. I, I know, man. I, he, he made some really piss poor decisions. Uh, and not to mention he was lecturing while watching it, too. So we'd watch like 20 minutes of it. He'd stop lecture about it. And then like we continue. it was just awful, dude. Like I fucking hated it. Um, 
and maybe that's where my disdain for for why it's so boring is, is because he sat and lectured about why we should love Citizen Kane and why it's the greatest film ever made ever. Rather than that's why I put it on the wheel. I heard that a lot, and I'm like, okay, what's this all about? Oh, it's, well, it's the thing that I would suggest when we go do it. So, like, I'm I for all I want you guys to do is to watch it twice for yourselves. I would suggest after you watch it that first time, watch a bunch of stuff, read anything you want about it, go to the people you love and see if they have stuff about it. But just like YouTube's a great resource. And then go at it again with all those thoughts and ideas in your mind and watch it a second time. And then come to the table and bring what you took out of it to me and to us. Because like, the only things I'm really going to do is bring my opinion and the history of it. Because the history of it, and if you look it up yourself, you'll know too, is really interesting about how it got made and what happened afterwards. The effect it's had ever since. All that stuff is just as interesting as the film itself. So like research and watching the film is a good thing in this situation if you want to like form a conversation about it if you want to do it your normal way that's cool that's fine but i would say at the very least watch it twice just watch it twice just once is not enough in this case but you can enjoy it it's more entertaining than people remember when you watch more film like the more you watch movies, the more you're like, oh, okay, like this was really good. And then also, Chris, you get to start next week with a song because the White Stripes made an entire song of nothing but dialogue mm. from this film. Da, 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 da. Okay. Not that um, one, but I that song. Um, also, we are spinning the series wheel next week. We are. And I it, that is set in that is set in stone because i'm really now i really want to get get into a series again so we are in fact doing a series wheel next week so it's been an interesting three movies i'll be honest like night of the hunter dune and this they've all been kind of older than they all been earlier than the 90s so maybe most of the series wheels are not that most of them are modern day stuff right it'll Um, be interesting that's for sure so there you go, everyone. That's our episode. Uh, so we'll be back next time with Citizen Freaking Kane. Okay. Blindsided. Um, so there you go, everyone. We are out of here. Say goodbye, guys. Bye-bye. Um, bye-bye. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There's a joke coming. There's a joke coming. There's a joke coming. Hashtag release the Frank Herbert cut. What? Oh. Oh. I'm interested to see what his idea of a movie of this would be, how long it would be, and all that. Um, but nah, his cousin was McCarthy. Screw that guy. <laughs>